Thank you for downloading and or streaming the newest episode of Recasted 2.0. I'm Wayne G, joined as always by Jesse. What's up? What's up, what's up? And we have a special guest today, Stephen Doyle from These Films Are the Juice podcast. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Thank you guys for having me. Happy to be here. Now, if you want to tell the folks here a little bit about your podcast and what it's about, and we've had a few guests and we definitely like to promote podcasts as much as possible. If people are tuning into your show, what can they expect? Yeah, sure. So uh, my show is still in its infancy. I think I've done about six or seven episodes. So it started off with kind of just deep dives into some of my favorite films. So I've done Pulp Fiction, Shaun of the Dead, Psycho, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. But I've kind of tried to branch out a little bit with my ideas. So the last one I did was a film comparison between There Will Be Blood and No Country for Old Men, which is a film that people compare together quite a lot. It was filmed at the same time, the same towns against each other at the Oscars. And the next one I'm going to do is Cario, which will be a deep dive in that one as well. But after that, yeah, I'm hoping to do a few kind of more film comparisons. I'm hoping to do a couple of career retrospectives and, and top fives. One thing I want to do is a Philip Seymour Hoffman kind of tribute episode. I uh, love him as an actor. So yeah, just trying to trying to change it up a little bit, really. And where could somebody find your episodes and, and reach out to you on social media? So yeah, like you guys, I'm uh, I'm on Good Pods, so people can can listen there. The next best place I think would probably be Spotify, but I'm also available on uh, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Castbox, and I'm on Instagram. These films are the juice. Twitter, the same handle as well. I've got a little group on Facebook, which is the name of the podcast as well. So so yeah, you can uh, find me and hit me up on there. And if you're new to the show, what we do here is we take movies that are at least 20 years old and we recast them with modern day actors and actresses. Then we put our casts up for a vote to see who the fans think had a better cast for our fictional remake. What I like about having three people and having Steve on is I'm hoping that he'll steal some votes from Jesse, which will give me a victory. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen your list, Wayne. Good luck. Good luck. You've had several victories recently. I don't think you need to be championing anybody else to help you out. You've been doing well recently. I have been doing a lot better since I can't remember what one it was we did where I got absolutely slaughtered. But since then, I've been keeping it close. I think it's ever since I used my friend Daniel Radcliffe as Neo. I, I ended up really turning the tide and people were like, whoa, there's we can vote another way. <laughs> they were like, oh, only one of these guys knows about movies. <laughs> Ouch. Wayne's not, never going to let you forget about that one either, Jesse, is he? Oh, even the Field of Screens guys. I mean, other other podcasts are now reaching out to me saying, hey, make sure you don't cast Daniel Radcliffe in this. Or, hey, can we expect to see Jonah Hill in this? Like, I guess I've been known to cast certain gentlemen just as often as Wayne has. So we, we've got a resume. You have your guys that you like. Oh, I've got my crew, my squad. <laughs> well, today our guys are going to be competing for roles in the 1994 Stephen King film Shawshank Redemption which obviously I consider one of the greatest films ever made, as well as one of my top five all-time favorites. If you go on imdb.com, it has been the number one ranked film on there since IMDb came out, and it has never been second place. So how crazy is that? That's insane. I think it knocked The Godfather off the perch. It's the, the greatest film of all time on a public vote somewhere at some, at some point as well, I think. So yeah, it's one of those ones that just kind of gets more and more popular as the years go by. Wayne loves The Godfather. Ugh, what a waste of four hours. <laughs> We'll recast that one next. (laughs) (laughs) Just remake it completely and actually make it a a one and a half hour movie. It'll be much better. Come on. The opera of it all. You know, it's great. It's good stuff. The wedding lasted an hour. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we do have to go over some scores here. Last episode was Indiana Jones trilogy. We put our casts out there and the final tally from what I had was 
I came out the victor on this one, 29-25, another barn burner. I mean, the most popular pick was Paul Rubens as Major Tote. People loved that pick. But the one that really made me happy was when people said that they liked Jason Moustakis because that got Jesse into fighting mode. Yeah, I just I don't understand in anything I've ever seen Jason Manzukis in. He's so inappropriate. I mean, I watched The League, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. You know, I, I recently watched uh, the movie uh, Dirty Grandpa with Robert De Niro. And he's in that, and it's just, oh my goodness, he's in so many things where he's inappropriate, and that's not what Salah was. So I think people are just, oh, I love this guy, and they're not even thinking about the fit. They won't be joining us on any of our future episodes. But yeah, the uh, I got to give you props. Paul Rubens, you know, I, I was really kind of looking straight at him as, oh my goodness, the you want to cast Pee Wee Herman as this guy, and people loved it. People loved the inspiration you had, and, you know, i got to give you props. It was a very contentious win, uh, you know, back and forth. Anybody who voted for you, I was giving them, you know, the full Monty, you know, trying to get, why? Why did you <laughs> give them the vote? And, uh, you know, I-, I love that it was a close victory for you, and I uh, hope that we continue to get as many votes as we've been getting. Well, Steve, I think you voted for my cast. What did you think about Jason Manzukis? I gotta be honest with you. I uh, I think I voted for you despite Pee Wee Herman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jason Manzukas, I think. Um, yeah, that was what I wasn't too sure about who he was. I think at the time, obviously, I knew I, when I looked into afterwards. But I, I do apologize, Jesse. Usually, you're my guy on on these, and I kind of always go with you with your choices. But um, yeah, I had to go with Wayne on that one. It's all right, Steve. <laughs> he's crying. He's crying already. We haven't even got into the recast yet. <laughs> I know. <laughs> As we usually do, I like to give shout outs to anybody who voted on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Recast a Podcast and as well as Facebook at Recast a Podcast. We have a Facebook group called All Things Movies where people can drop in snips from their last episode. They can post movie things. I just shared one. It said that if Brendan Fraser and Keanu Reeves did a movie together and they just called it movie, people would flock to the theaters to see it. I'd be there. I'd have to agree. Love, love Brendan Fraser back in the day. If you do vote on Twitter, we give you a shout out here on the show. And we also have a special shout out sections or section for people who interact with us a little bit more. So I'm just going to run through this list real quick. These are the regular shout outs. So again, for regular shout out, just vote for the show. You get a shout out here on our show for a special shout out, a little bit more interaction, maybe some private messages, maybe some sharing and such. And uh, we'll get you covered there. So here we go. Deep breath at movies. One thirty one TMI confessions of a nerd kind. Underground Media, Movies on the Way, Defending Your Movie Podcast, All 80s Movies Podcast, Movie Chef Podcast, who asked, what is Wayne smoking? (laughs) (laughs) Jason at Nerd Rover, Bad Dads Film Review, Geeksploration the Podcast, The Rocky and Creed Series Podcast, The Film Buds Podcast, Titan for BP at the Oscars, Movies After Work, Mashley at the Movies, No More Late Fees, the MN Movies Man, your next favorite movie, Film Shake, the 90s movie podcast, Super Retro Throwback, Word Her- a Weird Horizon podcast, at Trey Surge, that's Trayvon Surgeon, who voted for Jesse, usually votes for me, he voted for Jesse this time. Yeah. I finally watched podcast, Crime Coffee, Crafts podcast, Film Rage, So What Happens Next podcast, So Wizard podcast, Cheap Seat Reviews, Casting Views, Drew Townby, Insanely Dangerous Retro Podcast, Cinema Deacon Podcast, Straight to DVD Podcast, Culture Shocked, Beefy Boys Podcast. We'll give them a special shout out next week because they always vote. X Radio X, Nerd Migos, and M at Verbal Diorama. Thank you so much, everybody, for voting on Twitter. 
Yeah, basically Wayne just wants special private messages and he wants votes his way if you want a special thanks. Yeah, special thanks for shouting out Jason Manzukis. I gotta yeah. tell you guys, you guys are amazing. I know you're gonna do some special thanks in a minute, but one thing that made me obviously the content is amazing. You guys' chemistry is brilliant, but just how generous you are in in mentioning other podcasts, it's what made me um fall in love with you guys even more. So I suppose just on behalf of any podcast that you've that you've mentioned, just thank you so much for your for your generosity in doing that. We appreciate that. We enjoy doing it, and I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of stole that from the Best Film Ever podcast, which is one of my special shout-outs to one of my favorite shows. Every episode, they do the same thing. They go through, and they give special shout-outs. They say thank you for the love to a ton of different podcasts. And we used to do, like, you know, what the last episode was of all these people who voted. But once we started getting into, like, the 40s, 50s, 60s in votes, I'm like, man, we do a whole show just for special thanks. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. You just kind of shows how popular you guys are uh, are becoming as well. But um, but yeah, no, it's such a such a good thing to do. And not to go off tangent too too much, but um, one thing I found since you know kind of starting this is just how friendly and how nice the film podcast community or the podcast community in general are on on social media. You know, there's there's a lot of people out there always ready to kind of you know listen or give advice or help out in any way they can. There's there's not that competitiveness between each other they want to they want to help um so yeah and you guys are a shining example of that so i think it's uh, i think it's great very positive now i mentioned best film ever podcast these are this is a british film podcast ian is the host he's from canada and their most recent episode was a review of the prestige and it was a really good episode i happen to really like the movie the prestige uh, what do you guys think I have yet to listen to the episode because I listened to Ian's advice and he said I have to watch the movie first. And so I I have to watch this movie. I haven't listened to that episode, but I, I have seen The Prestige. And yeah, I mean, you know, anything Christopher Nolan's always going to be uh, always going to be great. It's probably one of his more underrated ones, that and, and Insomnia, I think. But um, yeah, no, great, great film with Hugh Jackman and, and Christian Bale, especially. And keeping it in England, the Field of Screens podcast, these are our best friends on here, I think, and that is DKIF and James. They actually haven't done an episode in about a month. Their last episode was Million Dollar Baby, which was a great episode, but I'm waiting for a retrospective to pop out. Yeah, uh, I did reach out to them because I, like you, love listening to episodes and their chemistry over there. They love touching on all types of sports topics and what they're watching. They, uh, One of them did recently have a job change and uh, is moving. So we're just staying patient with them. We know that once they get all settled, they're going to continue to pump out awesome content. Yeah, I really like listening to, to those guys as well. I think I've only listened to one episode. But yeah, no, always really good stuff. And I enjoyed them on, on your podcast as well. So yeah, looking forward to hearing them with you guys again. Yeah, that was Back to the Future. Yeah, that was great. I listened, I re-listened to it the other day. It was, uh, it was good, good stuff. I, I tried to fit in Anya Taylor Joy wherever I could in this, in this one, but uh, don't think there was a place for her. <laughs> oh yes, you would have felt the wrath. The warden. <laughs> The Shoot the Flick podcast, Frankie and Scott. Fra uh, Scott had video game month, and now Frankie is making him watch A Walk to Remember. <laughs> Which I actually enjoyed. I remember watching that with my first girlfriend, and I didn't realize it was Nicholas Sparks. I should have known because of the amount of cheese. But, you know, he does pump out some pretty good romantic movies. Uh, the Notebook definitely is, is one that I'll give props to. Scott definitely hates A Walk to Remember. I'm hoping that they do get to watch The Notebook together and uh, do an episode on it because it's definitely a better film than A Walk to Remember. But it was a great episode, as always, from those two. Yeah, I don't think I've listened to these guys, but no, obviously one for the one for the list to listen to. Not a massive Nicholas Sparks fan, I must say. But uh, yeah, you know, always open to, to new things, I suppose. Well, Steve, what is your take on romantic comedies? Because it's a genre that might be my favorite. And I think my favorite is definitely Maybe with Ryan Reynolds. 
Oh, right. Okay. Like I said, I think I watched Crazy Stupid Love, I think it was called. I went and saw that with my wife in the cinema when that came out a good few years ago. I was in a bit of a Ryan Gosling phase. I watched, I think I watched three Ryan Gosling films in a row at the cinema. So I enjoyed that one. Always like to watch kind of Love Actually at Christmas and Bridget Jones and stuff like that. But yeah, I can't say I'm a, I'm a connoisseur of the, uh, of the rom-com genre. We've all been in that Gosling phase, Steve. It, you just can't help it, can you? It's the eyes. It's irresistible. <laughs> the minute Jesse saw him in Remember the Titans, he was smitten. That's it. Oh, man. Gosling is my I guy. Like, I was like his dad in the stands. Coach! <laughs> <laughs> he's, I, I think he's a bit of an underrated actor, to be honest with you. I think he's one of those actors you kind of you see the good looks first and, and kind of maybe don't appreciate the talent. But yeah, I think I watched him in Drive, Crazy Stupid Love, and the Ides of March and he's great in all of them you know three very different films obviously so it was um so yeah no I think he's very talented I'm a huge John Grisham fan so if you get a chance to watch Fracture with Anthony Hopkins and him it's really good yeah I've seen I've seen him in that as well yeah no very good let's just let's just make this a Ryan Gosling um love fest that episode, <laughs> <shall> we? <laughs> well wait till you see who I have in this cast now <laughs> I did read earlier as well, apparently he's going to play Ken in the Barbie film. Margot Robbie's going to play Barbie and uh, he's going to play Ken. So, you know, Perfect. I have to go and watch that as well. The Movie Wars podcast, they had a war between Point Break and Fast and the Furious, which I love that episode because I love both of those movies. And I didn't realize that they're the same movie until these guys pointed it out. But love that episode. And then they just did Apocalypse Now versus Platoon. And I told them, I, I think I DM them. I said, you know, I don't like either of those movies, to be honest with you, but that episode is fantastic. Really good episode from the Movie Wars guys. They really dive so deep. I was actually talking to Kyle this past week, and he was talking about how, like, how exhausting it was to go through, like, the research for both these movies and, you know, actually do the recording because of how much they went into and how much they enjoyed just watching these movies and dissecting them. And I agree, Wayne. I listened to the episode on, you know, Point Break and Fast and Furious, and they kept listing, like, the comparisons, and I was like, oh, my gosh. It was like a light bulb moment. I will have to listen to the Apocalypse Now and uh, Platoon episode probably straight after we, we stop recording. I love, I love, well, I love Platoon. Um, do like Apocalypse Now. But yeah, no, that sounds like it'd be amazing. And yeah, kind of the, when you just said that then, that they pointed out that Point Break and Fast and Furious are the same films. I'm like, yeah, no, I can see that definitely. So um, so yeah, no, that one sounds great. <laughs> they did a really funny bit in the beginning with, to figure out which movie you're watching. You're like, is there a young cop that kind of infiltrates this outlaw gang? <laughs> then it's like, you know, does he become infatuated with the leader of the gang and it goes through this whole lesson at the very end it goes does your movie have vin diesel in it then you're watching fast and the furious <laughs> <laughs> the quantum recast they did casablanca in 1991 and then they did sleepless in seattle in 1969 I, I, I haven't listened to that i'm sorry guys i gotta give it a listen because i don't really know any actors from 1969 so it'd be crazy to listen I listened to the Casablanca episode, even though I haven't seen Casablanca, just because I wanted to see what these guys were going to do with such an old film. When this movie was proposed to the other two from one of them, you could just hear the, oh, I got to watch this movie. And so I just wanted to hear what they were going to have to do. And it was an enjoyable episode. I haven't heard the Sleepless in Seattle episode yet, but I love these guys' chemistry and what they bring. I love hearing how angry one of them gets when, you know, the other one ends up getting the vote. So they're always so passionate. I love of those guys it's such a great idea for a podcast as well that you know just the, the recast idea is such a good idea but then doing it in a certain year i think is great too so uh so yeah um definitely listen to the uh casablanca one yeah no i'll, I'll add that to my list too yeah they're they're us on steroids <laughs> yeah, i told jesse i said it's like our show but they're like how can we make this harder <laughs> Yeah, I bet there's a lot of research that the guys have to do into that one. But 1969, I mean, that was uh, 
same year as Easy Rider. So maybe, I don't know, a young Jack Nicholson playing the um, uh, Humphrey Bogart part, possibly? Well, so the way that they work is if you cast somebody in the remake that they're making, then they get pulled out of all the films they did that year. I see. Okay. Even harder than ours, yeah. <laughs> that, that is really hard, yeah. Well, Rip Torn was meant to play Jack Nicholson's part in Easy Rider, but I think he had a, something happened and Jack Nicholson filled in, so maybe Rip Torn could have could have done that originally. So, yeah, maybe. That's just off the top of my head. You know, maybe that, that would have been a f- good fit. Send them your cast. They love that. <laughs> I'll give, him a, I'll give him a message. I heard Rip Torn got hit with a wrench. That's why he couldn't be in it. I wonder who hit him. <laughs> <laughs> he, couldn't, he couldn't duck, dive, or dodge it. <laughs> he was about as useful as a cock-flavored lollipop. <laughs> that is my favorite flavor. Oh. <laughs> Ryan Gosling specialty. <laughs> so into a more family-friendly yes. friendly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when Harry met movies, uh, <laughs> what they do here is uh, Mark introduces his son, Harry, to a movie that he really enjoyed, and they talk about it together, and it's just a really, really fun, heartfelt podcast, and their most recent episodes were The Last Starfighter, which I love, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and An American Tale, which I messaged Mark, and I said, I actually always preferred Five Goes West. I, I love listening to their episodes. I have not seen The Last Starfighter, but I actually watched the trailer for it after listening to their episode. I love that their episodes aren't super long and drawn out. They get to the point and they have a fun bowl that they pull some questions from. So it's not the same episode every time. You know, it, it's different questions and they love getting into the movies for the first time. So love their episodes. Um, haven't listened to all of them, but definitely keeping them in my rotation. Yeah, so this this is one that um fr- from directly from you, you guys that I definitely need to to listen to. I've actually recommended them a couple of times to to some friends who are basically in the same situation. They're at a certain age where they're starting to show their kids um, films that they loved when they were younger. So I've recommended When Harry Met Movies. So so yeah, no, I definitely need to listen to some of them. I think did they do it might be them did Flight of the Navigator as well recently. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, I I loved that film when I was a kid. So yeah, I'll definitely have to um to listen to a couple of theirs. New to this special shout-out section here, we have Sequel Pitch. This is one that I've been interacting with quite a bit lately. They recently did a sequel to Sleepless in Seattle. They did a sequel for The Mummy 1999. Even though it already has a sequel, they're trying to do it better, which, you know, shouldn't be too hard. And (laughs) then... They did a review of Uncharted. It was a spoiler-filled episode, but I really love these guys at Sequel Pitch, and I'm really trying to you know, get them to do a show with us. Every time I listen to an episode, I send them my sequel pitch idea to the point that they actually requested me to do a video uh, pitching one of my sequels. So I pitched my sequel for Joker and I sent it to him. That's awesome. Yeah, we love to see new budding relationships like that. And these guys have, you know, a fun idea. You know, there's plenty of bad sequels out there, most of them actually. So for these guys to try and tinker with them and come up with fresh ideas is, is very fun. Yeah, definitely. I um I've seen these guys a lot on uh, on Twitter as well, and again, another brilliant idea. And they seem very interactive too. So so yeah, looking forward to uh, to giving those guys a listen as well. And I loved I loved the Mummy when that when that came out. And yeah, as you say, kind of quite disappointed in the in the sequel. So uh, so yeah, no, I'll definitely give that a listen. Breathtaking CGI with the the Rock, right? <laughs> listen, they had the CG CGI in that eyebrows, so they had to they had to do it in some way. That was a spinoff. That was a score banking. That was a whole different spinoff. But yeah, yeah, but he was introduced in The Mummy too. Oh, he's so bad as an actor. <laughs> and then we have three films and a movie podcast. These guys are great. They review a lot of different movies. They'll recast movies from time to time, and they recently had me on an episode that should come out the beginning of next month uh, in conjunction with The Batman. I was on their show recasting Batman and Robin. 
which definitely needs recasting. I, I told Wayne that I tried to watch it recently because I loved it as a kid. Mr. Freeze, I was a huge Arnold fan, and I got about 15 minutes in and had to turn that crap off. It was just <laughs> it was just a big mix of corn and cheese. It was just so corny and cheesy. Yeah, it's a shame that the first introduction of Bane into uh, into cinema was was that and not, um, not Tom Hardy's rendition of it. But, um, I mean... Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, he got paid something ridiculous for it, but I felt like he, you know, he gave it, he gave it his all. You know, he brought in as as much uh, comedy to it as he could. I was a big Alicia Silverstone fan back then as well, so yeah, I was a bit of a disappointment. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, no, we I think that's all, it. We we're all big fans. Oh God, loved her. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good choice for for recasting. I think. And then this one's more of a shameful plug for the special shout outs, but the man hour radio show, it's a sports podcast slash TV show slash radio show in Louisville. And I happen to co-host on there about once a week. I'll be co-hosting with Brandon or beastie as they call him tomorrow night. So that'll be fun. Listen to the man hour podcast and hear some more of me. If you can't get enough of me, listen to the man hour. <laughs> Nobody calls him beastie. <laughs> no one can get enough of Wayne. And then the last one we have here is a film podcast called These Films Are the Juice. We discussed it earlier, but Steve, so nice of you to uh, get the special shout out here. And you're always interactive with us. So, again, I know if there's any more that you want to talk about the show, but what's your I know you mentioned you have an episode uh, coming out. I you said did there will be blood. What did you say the next one was going to be again? Yeah, sorry. So the next one will be a deep dive into Sicario. So I wanted to. Basically, I went and watched Dune and uh, Last Night in Soho quite close together at the end of end of last year. So I wanted to do a, an episode on on an Edgar Wright film. So I did Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and then yeah, I wanted to do Sicario because that was I think it was 2015. That was my my film of the year that year. I absolutely loved it. So um, I haven't watched it in a couple of years now. So I'm going to do a deep dive into uh, into Sicario for my next episode. So that will be my you know you never stop working, Wayne. Do you? So I've got to I've got to watch that tonight. Take some notes. And I'm going to record it for the next few days. Wayne. Never stops watching TV. I don't know what what he does. I don't know what he does with there, but he's constantly binging new stuff. But yeah, you're pumping out episodes. You know, I myself still need to watch the last night in Soho because I'm a big uh, Anya Taylor Joy fan. And uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to listening to more of your episodes. Appreciate that, Jesse. Yeah, it's it's really worth a watch. I I thought it was great. It had its kind of detractors. I think the oh, obviously I won't spoil anything, but um, I think for the last half hour or so people thought it got a little bit silly but, but I, I really enjoyed it and that was my first exposure to Anya Taylor-Joy definitely more on the side of Jesse than, than Wayne with an opinion on her Mackenzie Thomas who plays the other lead in it is, is great as well first time I'd seen her in anything so both um, both were fantastic and speaking of binge watching I've been of course binge watching Billions since that came back out in 1883 I've been keeping up to date with and The Walking Dead is back so I'm so excited Oh, The Walking Dead. You, what, how many seasons are they on now? Eleven. Eleven in the final season. Yeah. Oh, perfect. It's it's. They've been walking for so long. They're probably tired. <laughs> Dead tired. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes sense. You know, I actually watched uh, a movie that Steve brought up recently, and it was uh, No Country for Old Men. It was the first time I'd watched it. I hadn't seen it, but had heard so much about the performances and. Really, you know, specifically Javier Bardem's performance. And so I, I watched it. I really enjoyed it. I feel like I need to watch it again to just maybe capture some more. Some movies, you know, have layers like that. And so I, I feel like I'm going to go ahead and give it a another viewing and just try and capture some more of it. Not that I, I feel like it needs it, but that I'm going to give the movie the opportunity to give me more. I feel like some movies really have that deep impact. So I really did enjoy that. Not really binging any TV shows right now, to be honest. I've just been watching, you know, reruns of The Office and uh, reruns of Impractical Jokers because those guys are silly. 
really glad that you watched uh, No Country for Old Men, Jesse, and I can completely understand where you're coming from about watching it again. It, it took me a couple of goes to really appreciate it, I think, and, and let it sink in, especially with the ending, just because the ending's so jarring, right. like the, the very end. Um, it kind of just stops. Uh, it's got that kind of Sopranos feel about it. But um, yeah, but yeah, no, glad, glad glad that you watched it did you feel that as well kind of with the, with the ending to it yeah i didn't want to use the word unsatisfied but i just wanted to say I, I'm, I'm hoping that i get more out of that conclusion than i did the first time i mean the whole film was so good and then for it to end like that i was not stoked i mean so i'm hoping that you know if i watch it again i'm going to be able to kind of understand more about the ending in general maybe just why it did that you know more about the film but i definitely enjoyed all of it i think was it his little air tank and his little mm. oh deadly and he did the way the, the way he talked you know call it it was i i thought he was awesome the scene when he's fixing himself as well when he's taking out the bits of the bullet and stuff and injecting himself and everything that i thought that was really cool as well i kind of went into a bit of a paul thomas anderson coen brothers thing there for a few months kind of still with it really so i watched licorice pizza in the in the cinema recently that was that was a really really enjoyed that one i watched a serious man and miller's crossing as well uh both of those for the first time the coen brothers film so really and really enjoyed those and tv wise i've just started watching pam and tommy on disney plus so i'm gonna give that a try first episode was good so yeah i'm gonna see how that goes trying to get my girlfriend to watch that as well because we're both kind of from that generation where we can appreciate you know running to the internet to see that awesome cinema that they produced uh but a piece of art right but i also have to note steve it's uh, i'm sure it's because of the programming there uh across the pond but pam and tommy on disney plus just it's it's, it's what a sentence <laughs> that having that sex tape be you know chronicled on disney plus because <laughs> over here it's, it's on hulu so i know it's all under that same umbrella like the disney owns all of that but they put it on hulu over here so they can be like we're not that's not family friendly so it's on our hulu stuff De- deadpool deadpool stays on hulu not on disney plus <laughs> What's good is I've only got Disney Plus on my phone. I haven't got it on my TV, so there's no worry about the kids walking in and, and seeing something they shouldn't at their delicate ages. So, so yeah, hopefully get away with it there. Yes. <laughs> something I know Jesse was really excited about. Obviously, here in America, we had the Super Bowl recently, and the Super Bowl halftime show was Dr. Dre and Snoop and Mary J. Blige and Eminem. And I know Jesse really loved it. I, I thought it was okay. I mean, it was good. It was definitely better than a lot of the ones that we've seen for halftime shows, but I don't think it's Michael Jackson or Prince. I don't think it's that good. I'll agree. You know, it, it was very fun. It was very nostalgic. Uh, I'm not putting it as, as best ever, but I'm putting it as better than the Rolling Stones or the Who. Oh, they were awful. They stuffed several bands like that down our throat for too long, so it was nice to get something that was a bit more jive turkey. It was good, and I, I enjoyed it as well. I um, I stayed up and watched as much of it as I could have got. I think I got about halfway through the third quarter. But no, I was really looking forward to the halftime show, and yeah, maybe slightly underwhelmed at the end, but it was. Um, I still thought it was great. They packed a lot in there. Mary J. Blige really, really went for it. I thought Eminem was great. 50 Cent, you know, he's uh, piled on the pounds a, f- a bit, isn't he? <laughs> he was kind of blowing towards the end of his uh, his set. But uh, but no, it was very good. COVID's hit us all hard, Steve. It has. It has. That's not a dig. It's just, you know, it's <laughs> it's good to see that he's kind of, you know, the everyman, you know, nowadays. Not the, not the ripped um, buff guy he was back in the day. Right. You know, I'm just, I'm sad they couldn't get Tupac to show up. Well, that's the thing is you missed it. He was in it. <laughs> like, that's not, like, I didn't realize that somebody po- pointed out that he was in it so at the very end they point to the sky and then you see the top of the stadium with fireworks going off and Tupac's on top of the stadium he's just standing up there yeah he's just there wow okay he's just standing with John Cena I just couldn't see them no I, I guess 
like so, somebody showed it and I was like, because oh, they just show the back of his head, which is disappointing, but that's why they all pointed up and it's like Tupac looking over Los Angeles. But I was like, why couldn't you have showed his face? I thought that was just Dr. Dre from behind. Like why just show his face? So I know it's Tupac. Yeah. A lot of people thought we were going to get a Tupac hologram. Yeah. You thought they made that a bit more obvious. Yeah. That's, that's the first I'd heard that. So, wow. Okay. Then, of course, some news that me and Jesse are both excited about, maybe you are as well, Steve, is the Doctor Strange trailer came out. And a lot of people are talking about this voice. They think it's Patrick Stewart as Professor X talking to him. I got to be completely honest with you. After Endgame, I think I decided to to check out a little bit on on Marvel. So I haven't watched any of the any of the TV shows, and I haven't watched the new Spider Man, and haven't didn't watch the uh, the trailer for that one just because not being a dick about it or anything. I was just kind of like doesn't pique my interest as much anymore. But no, I heard that people were going crazy over it, and uh, I know that Spider Man was pretty crazy with having kind of Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire in there as well. So it sounds like Marvel are really going all out at the minute so so yeah no i heard a lot of people like that hey you know you, you're not the first person you won't be the last to get a little burnt out or, or need a tolerance break for marvel they're pumping out stuff at you know high speed so you know i'm certainly not taking in everything they're producing same with the star wars universe i've loved some of their stuff but i'm not watching everything they're pumping out but definitely recommend you see star war or the uh newest spider-man when you get a moment because it's really really good and yeah i mean uh really looking forward to uh the, the doctor strange i'll see it when it comes out but the one that i'm more excited for is the batman you know tickets came out for that and i know as soon as i saw that the day up i sent uh wayne a screenshot being like, hey let's get tickets buddy let's do this we're hoping to still figure something out but the, the batman with robert pattinson i think is something that's definitely built up a lot of interest for us it does look good i've seen i've definitely watched the trailers for for that one it does look very good especially colin farrell just completely um unrecognizable as the as the penguin there so um so yeah i might i might def, i might give that one a go colin's one of wayne's favorite actors yeah i hate him <laughs> not even collateral not even there the, not collateral sorry um miami vice sorry no no the only thing i've seen him in actually he's, the most recent things he's been in i've liked him in i really liked him in uh saving mr banks i thought he was fantastic Okay, you like you liked him after he got himself clean and kind of you know. If that's what it is, I just like him since he got better acting. So <laughs> he's not good at Daredevil. I mean, phone booth is eh. And when I think of the genius of the title of the Batman, every time I say it or I hear it, all I can think of is Heath Ledger when he's talking to the bad guys and he's like, "Kill the Batman." Kill the Batman. Yeah. So that said, do you guys have anything else before we get into this recasting? Let's do this. Let's go for it. All right, let's do it. Today we are recasting the 1994 film Shawshank Redemption, which was written by Stephen King and directed by Frank Darabont. Later on, another movie would come out about prison, which was written by Stephen King and directed by Frank Darabont called The Green Mile, which was also excellent. But we are going to talk about the Shawshank Redemption today, and I'm extremely excited to get into it. As I mentioned earlier, it's one of my all-time favorite movies. How do you guys feel about it? Love the movie, an all-timer, and another moment where I sent Wayne a screenshot was late last night when it was actually on TV, and so I got Shawshanked into watching it. 
yeah, I'm I'm exactly the same as you guys. Absolutely love it. First saw it when I was about 14 or so, and I've seen it kind of plenty of times since then. I didn't actually rewatch it for this episode because I kind of just could could picture everyone, could picture all the scenes and stuff. So no, absolutely absolutely love the film, and, and I agree with you as well. Green Mile is definitely underrated. Love that film too. I think people don't realize that Stephen King wrote it. It was actually part of a series. So there were four stories in this book, and I can't remember the name of the book, but there were four stories in it. One of them was The Shawshank Redemption. One of them was Apt Pupil, which was another great movie with uh, Sir Ian McKellen. And then a third one was Stand By Me, which is another great movie. So he had three bangers come out of that, none of which were horror movies. He doesn't get enough credit outside of the horror realm. Definitely. And yeah, I mean, Shawshank Redemption, I haven't read it, but it's, it's basically a novella, isn't it? It's, a, it's quite, a, quite a short story, I think. It is, yeah. I think it's originally called uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, and Red is a... Um, well, like they make a joke about it in the film, don't they? He's a he's an Irish guy with with red hair, right? Which is why they changed his name, I think, to Ellis Redding, so they'd have a reason to call him Red. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The plot of this movie, just pretty easy, is Andy Dufresne goes to prison for murdering his wife and befriends Red, and has to go through the trials and tribulations of prison, and eventually escapes. So uh, again, there's no we do all spoilers here. He escapes. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler, Wayne, come on. <laughs> Are you kidding me? But I really loved it. And so what we usually do is we'll start from the back of the cast, which is our least important characters, and work our way up to the most important characters and give you our reasons or what we think about the original actor or actress. There's no actresses in this one. Sorry, we're a sexist podcast. And <laughs> the uh, then we'll give you our reasons for why we, why we picked who we wanted to do. I, we didn't choose ahead of time, but uh, what order do we want to go in today? I mean, I'd, I'd say just go, you know, like we have most of this episode, you know, you, me, then Steve, you know, let Steve kind of have the last word. And after we all introduce our folks, we can then kind of, you know, rip each other apart. Okay. So our first character is going to be Elmo Blatch. He wakes up, gives me shit. So I killed him. Him and this tasty bitch he was with. <laughs> and that's the best part. She's fucking this prixie, this golf pro, but she's married to some other guy. <laughs> some hotshot banker. <laughs> and he's the one they pinned it on. Who was originally played by Bill Bullender, who was 54 years old at the time. Prior to this, he'd had some bit parts in JFK, RoboCop 2, Black Snow, DOA. And he's the one who actually killed Andy's wife and the golf pro. Andy got set up for that. Not set up, but it just kind of it fell on him. And he admits it later in the film. Very small part. And this was Steve's idea was to kind of introduce this character as almost like a cameo role, like a Matthew McConaughey and Wolf of Wall Street kind of role where we can just put, you know, somebody in there. And I said, all right, it's got to be somebody dirty, slimy, grimy. You'd believe them as being a murderer, kind of a crazy, you know, kook. And I went with Sean Penn, who is 61. You guys would know him from Fast Times at Ridgemount High. I am Sam, Mystic River, Casualties of War, huge actor in the 80s, decent actor in the 90s, haven't done much since then, but Sean Penn, to me, is what I picture when I think of Elmo Blatch. Okay, so, you know, my thoughts of Elmo Blatch is, you know, very ugly guy, a guy who has an ugly soul, an ugly face, he's laughing and very talkative. We even hear from Tommy, the guy was just talking, talking, talking. So I I wanted somebody who was going to be able to represent a lot of that. And so from my perspective here, I went with Crispin Glover, 
You know, that is someone who we talked about a lot in our Back to the Future episode. He's kind of been uh, blackballed a bit since doing that and has only come up in a few films such as Charlie's Angels and Willard. A very weird and creepy feel to him. I remember him, you know, grabbing a, a handful of, you know, the hair in Charlie's Angels and sniffing it. And I was like, God, that's my fit. I need that weird, wonky, creepy, disgusting guy as my Elmo Blatch. Who you have, Steve? Yeah, so for this one, I had a couple of people in, in mind, and then as I was kind of flip-flopping between them, I thought the, the line I kept on going back to was when, like like you said, Jesse, with Tommy saying he talked all the time, another one he said, what is, he called him a, a big twitchy effer as well. I don't I tend not to do big, big swear words on my podcast, so I'll keep it the same on here. So, uh, yeah, big twitchy guy, and then this guy was also in Green Mile as well, and he got described in exactly the same way by, by Sam Rockwell's character in that. So I went with David Morse, again, yeah, from, from the Green Mile. Also, what I thought of was his character who played in Disturbia, his character he played in The Hurt Locker as well. He plays this like crazy sergeant in, in The Hurt Locker. And I think he just, he's got that presence about him. He's got a good voice too. And he, he can tap into that kind of crazy, don't mess with me, scary, scary thing as well that, that Elmo has. So so he was my he was my pick on that one. All right. And bringing it around town, as SpongeBob would say. Now it's time to bring it around town. Bring it around town. I liked Crispin Glover. I think you nailed it, Jesse, with the, the creepiness and the weirdness. I think that's exactly Crispin Glover's perfect for this role. I uh, definitely like that one. The David Morse one, I was actually a little puzzled because I always maybe I have to watch the Hurt Locker, but I just always picture him as like an FBI lieutenant or like a, a sergeant and just like a very straight laced police officer type and so to see him as like some like out of his mind murderer was a little little weird for me yeah we've actually done several movies we've had to recast him and we always talk about how he gets pigeonholed into these law enforcement roles and so when i saw his name come across he's one of the guys that through our process i haven't had to look up because i would just immediately go of course i know what he looks like he's he's got a like an he's got like an fbi vest on he's got his, his mustache his salt and pepper hair He's, he's ready to, to talk like a sergeant or a captain or something like that. So I was I was a little puzzled as well because I don't know if I, I saw the fit, but I do love the inspiration that you came with that you saw the same exact description being used in the Green Mile in which he was in. So I love your, your inspiration there to say, well, he was described this way there, so why not use that here? So... Of course, I love the Green Mile. Um, I don't have that line kind of resonating like like you probably have because of your research. But I just wanted to note that I love the inspiration you drew for that. I just have a tough time seeing him without that FBI vest on and like a you know a military role, some type of law enforcement role. I appreciate that, Jesse. Thank you. And yeah, no, I can understand definitely what you guys are saying about maybe not seeing him in in, in that role. And yeah, like I say, I mean the other things I thought of him from he was in a couple of episodes of a series of House where he played like a detective as well in that and yeah, kinda of quiet and reserved. But yeah, he has got that kind of like I said, in Disturbia and Hurt Locker, just like in in the Hurt Locker especially, it's just he just he's just this like kind of wild sergeant. He loves how Jeremy Renner is such a off the wall kind of um crazy guy who dis dis disables bombs, so he's really into that and in Disturbia 
Strawberry obviously plays quite a creepy guy as well. So I just thought, you know, just someone who can kind of just bring everything to it, you know, the physicality, the voice, the, and he, he can possibly tap into that that kind of craziness. But Crispin Glover, I love I love that one. Jesse, I like, I, when I looked at a few of yours, Jesse, I was kind of like, oh, wow, I, I just would, my mind just didn't go there. But then when I when I saw it, it's like, yeah, that's a that's a great fit. And, and Sean Penn as well fits right into to what we talked about, Wayne, when, when we mentioned it, a kind of, you know, quite a big actor playing in this cameo role, really. So, uh, so yeah, no, like like both of yours too, definitely. I like the Sean Penn, uh, Wayne. You know, I wanted to make sure I noted that before we moved on. I think he's a, a really big name, obviously, from, you know, the 80s and 90s. But in this, you know, cameo opportunity, it was a, a great chance to throw somebody like that in. You know, I think he did really amazing in I Am Sam and showed his versatility there. And I think he could do well here as, as very creepy and, and disgusting. So the next role would be Hayward. It'll be all right. Him? Yeah, what about me? Crazy old fool goddamn near cut my throat. Oh shit, Hayward, you had worse from shaving. What the hell did you do to set him off anyway? I didn't do nothing. I come in here to say fairly well. Ain't you heard his parole come through? Originally played by William Sadler, he was 44. We've known him as Die Hard 2. He was the bad guy. Stuart, uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, he's death. You know, he's in Hard to Kill. He plays the the governor or whatever it is that Steven Seagal beats up. And for me, this was a throwaway role. So, I mean, that's why I have listed here. He has about seven or eight lines. He's kind of funny, a little, a little bit goofy. Doesn't strike me as very intelligent, kind of a white trashy guy. I don't know what he's in there for. But I was like, all right, I need somebody who's going to be a white, trashy, throwaway guy. And I went with Chad Michael Murray, who's 40. Now, he's been in House of Wax, Cinderella Story. He did a lot of, like, kind of those teenage type of things when he was coming up. But I think he's kind of expanded. He's in Riverdale now uh, as Edgar. So he's a little bit darker. And not that you have to be dark for this role, but I think he could play the unintelligent white trash. All right. And so for this role, I'm first, I'd like to start off because my girlfriend will not let me get, get through this. It's Haywood not Hayward. She had a problem when you you'd wrote it. So uh, take that up with her. And, uh, you know, for this role, I, I find somebody who is, you know, goofy, kind of uneducated based on the way he speaks. Um, he's certainly not alone in that. But in his opportunities on screen, he's not forming a lot of complete sentences. He is kind of goofy. But I also think he's got like a, a raspy, older look to him. You know, I wouldn't put him in that same age range as Andy Dufresne, maybe a little prison hardened. And so for this, I went with not big Ben Affleck, but his little brother, you know, Raspy, uh, you know, Casey Affleck. I've seen him in some roles where I think he could be, you know, he could come off as dumb-witted and also uh, a little prison-hardened. I think he would, he would do well in that role. Brooks will certainly hold up my, my uh, Casey Affleck with a knife there. So, yeah, I, I chose Casey Affleck, and a lot of people will know him from Goodwill Hunting, Gone Baby Gone, and uh, Manchester by the Sea, not just Ben's little brother. But I think he's got himself a, a nice little resume himself. Yeah, so for this one, I went with someone who I could see as as being good mates with the uh, actor I picked to play Red. So kind of like a bit of a right-hand man to him. Like a kind of someone who's a bit kind of supportive in there. You know, Haywood has that scene at the start after they he finds out that the fat guy who was dead, he had that kind of serious scene there. But obviously he's also got the, the silly scenes as well. So I wanted to kind of find someone who could fit all those kind of categories so i went with terence howard i think he's a good dramatic actor but i think he can also play the comedy side of things pretty well too and just a an actor of a of a stature that was kind of just slightly below the guy i've picked to play red so yeah that's why i went with uh him oh obviously everyone will know from the first iron man he was originally cast to play Rhodes, taken over by don Cheadle, mr holland's opus empire and hustle and flow so that's uh, terence howard that i picked there 
I have to say, I was a little bit puzzled by both of these picks in the sense that obviously being a throwaway role, we like to throw in somebody who maybe hasn't had a chance to act, like a stand-up comedian or an athlete or somebody who were giving them several lines to kind of get their movie career started. And you guys went with a couple of juggernauts, two guys who I think have both been nominated for Academy Awards. And that threw me off a little bit. However, I will say with the Casey Affleck, I think he fits that, you know, again, that that mold of he can play like the trailer trash kind of guy. So I can see it. He can absolutely do anything. He's a great actor. Terrence Howard is a great actor as well. And Jesse will definitely back me up on this. I love diversity and I love kind of mixing up the roles. I just feel like Terrence Howard is he always comes across as a bit of an asshole to me. And I don't know. I didn't I didn't get that from Haywood. I don't know. I, I think, you know, you may be forcing us to call this a, a, or cast this as a throwaway role, but I'm not sure if either one of us saw it as that way, even, even due to his smaller, you know, lines that he was provided. But my initial beef is you have Chad Michael Murray and you keep using the, the phrase trailer trash. I mean, this guy's from Gilmore Girls and Dawson's Creek. I mean, this is one of the prettiest boys of the 90s and you want to call him trailer trash? I just I don't think he fits. I think that outside of Boggs, I think Hay was the ugliest guy inside that prison. And so <laughs> Chad, Chad Michael Murray is not a fit for me. I had to pick a guy who is not a great looker, but I also wasn't thinking of it as let me pick some lower actor who really crushed it 15 years ago. So that's why I think you know Casey Affleck was a good fit. As far as Terrence Howard goes, I'm not as puzzled. I like it. I think that he has shown, especially with Hustle and Flow, that he can be someone who can, you know, find himself imprisoned, someone who has a love for music. I mean, we see Haywood in the film die for some music. Dufresne is getting all these books, and he goes, come on, you couldn't... put." Couldn't get some music in, and when he's playing the two Italian ladies broadcasted throughout the prison, that's when he wanted to hear some Hank Williams Jr. So honestly, I, I can see Terrence Howard in this role. I'm not sure he's he's too big. I mean, he got pushed out of Iron Man, so I'm not sure he's too big for anything. So I actually like the fit more than I like the fit of Chad Michael Murray. Appreciate that again, Jesse. Thank you. This will be the pick on Wayne casting here. Yeah, Chad Michael Murray, when I saw that as well, I was kind of like, Wow, God, Wayne, you want someone to really kind of take notice from, from take the um, attention off of everybody else. You know, as soon as he pops up on screen, you're like, oh my God, wow. But uh, yeah, I, I, similar to, to Jesse, I, I don't really see it as a, as a throwaway role. I think it's a character who's quite important. Actually, I mean, I remember when I think back to the film, I, you know, I think of him sitting at the table, you know, kind of one second laughing, he's getting all the cigarettes in and then he finds out the kid died and it's a complete change and gets very serious about it and uh, him listening to the music and when uh, Brooks has the, the knife to his throat. So I think he has some important scenes in there. So yeah, I thought Chad Mokimori, I couldn't quite see it, maybe a bit too, bit too pretty. Casey Affleck, I was a little bit puzzled at first with that one, but now when I, I hear you talk about it, Jesse, I can see the fit a bit better. I would put him as a better actor and a, a more further up the maybe the the list in Hollywood than Terrence Howard. I think maybe he's a little bit too overqualified for that role, but the character he played in, in Ocean's Eleven has that kind of um, kooky side to him that, that Haywood has as well. So I'm, I'm sure he could do it. I just thought maybe he was a little bit too high in stature. But yeah, a, a good pick as well, I think. Thank you. The next role we have is Boggs. Hey, anybody coming to you yet? Anybody get to you yet? Hey, we all need friends in here. I could be a friend to you. Hey. Hard to get. I like that. So Boggs is the homosexual gentleman who is 
after Andy loves Andy has this infatuation with them and makes Andy's life hell for a couple of years until they get to tarring the roof there. That's when things kind of take a turn for the better for Andy. But, you know, Boggs, to me, he was originally played by Mark Rolston, who was 38 and was an alien's body of evidence. Not the Madonna one, the earlier one. Later on, he was an eraser with Arnold Schwarzenegger. He nailed this role because I hated Boggs. So I thought he crushed it. And I wanted to find somebody like that. My notes here, Creep Show is number one. He's overpowering to Andy, so he's going to be able to force Andy down and do whatever he wants to him. Just sleazy, slimy. He's a bully. And for me, I went with Jai Courtney, who's 35. He was in Jack Reacher. He plays the bad guy. A Good Day to Die Hard. He's the young John, uh, John McClane's son and you know Terminator Genesis. He just, to me, he always comes across as like that bit of a creep show, and he's a little bit bigger and bulkier. I think he'd be able to push Andy around and hold him against a wall and do whatever. So for me, even more disgusting than Elmo Blatch is Boggs. I think Boggs and the sisters, um, I don't even know if it's just, you know, Andy Dufresne that they zero in on. I think it's any newbie that comes in, they torment because that's the type of disgusting soul that they are. You know, Red even refers to them as not even being human. And so, I mean, I see someone who is just utterly disgusting, bad, but also someone who can put up a fight because you see him constantly putting, you know, not just a, like a, a sexual beating on Andy, but he's, he's really, you know, kneeing him, punching him. And yeah, he's got a group of buddies there, but I think he could hold his own in a fight as well. So for that reason, I went with an actor who honestly, I've only seen him in one thing, but that one thing fully encapsulated what I saw from Boggs. The one thing is Get Out. And the actor I'm talking about here is Caleb Landry Jones. He plays the brother in the very crazy family um, in Get Out. And if neither of you have seen it, I highly recommend it. I know Wayne hasn't because he's not a big horror guy. But Steve, if if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. And I think you'll absolutely see this fit. Uh, He's also in some other things like Finch and X-Men First Class. But again, in Get Out, he plays just a grimy, disgusting, you can't, stand the sight of him but he's he's an aggressor and i think that he would fit very perfectly in this i think he has the look of like a down south guy that probably lives in alabama and is pretty used to incestual stuff <laughs> i think me and jesse were probably thinking along the same lines when when we were doing our recast on that when i went for a british actor probably one of those guys people would maybe hear the name and not know who it is but as soon as they saw his picture of him they, they'd know who it was and that's a guy called sean harris He's been in one of the Mission Impossible films, plays plays with the bad guy in one of the Mission Impossible films. <laughs> Just looking at Wayne's uh, notes here, he's going to be in, or he is in Green Knight and Macbeth. I also know him from 24-Hour Party People. He was in a uh, TV version about some famous kind of um, murderers from from the UK back in uh, back in the 60s called, uh, called the Moors Murderers. Uh, he was in that. Often plays creepy weird guys or uh, kind of psychopathic people. He was also in a film called Harry Brown, which starred Michael Caine. I think it was out about 2010. And he plays this deranged drug dealer. And it's, it's just exactly what I thought I could see him playing Boggs because he's, he's, he's quite a slight guy, but he's quite cut in that film. He's kind of physically intimidating because he just looks like he doesn't care and will do anything to anybody. But it's more that, like you said, Wayne, that kind of creepiness. He's got a real creepy vibe to him. So he, I think he could handle the, the physical stuff, but it's more the mental torture and the that kind of creepiness to, to intimidate Andy that I think he'd really bring to it. So that's that's why I went for Sean Harris. 
I think both of you guys nailed it with the, the, the creepy side of things. For me, the only thing with Sean Harris, I think, was that I felt like he's a little bit more clean cut, like high society. He, is it, the stuff I've seen him in, I know I haven't seen him in something where he plays a little bit more down and dirty. So that was my only criticism of that. But he definitely does seem, again, the right build. He seems the right you know age that it would be. And he seems like he would fit that kind of creepiness. It's just a little bit more, uh, less trailery. And with Jesse's, obviously, Jesse nailed the trailer park side of it. The only thing, the criticism I had for Caleb Landry Jones is he looks like he's like 16 years old so unless like you know andy's nine you know i, I just don't see him pushing andy <laughs> around you know? i mean but you can see on your document here sir that he's 32 he just he, he's a he's an ugly looking gent and that grew up from an ugly looking kid but i think with him and the help of his the sisters in there um he'll make a, a pretty pretty good bogs i liked yours wayne um again i think you're riding the pretty guy train a little bit with jai courtney i think that bogs again is pretty ugly not just in his soul but on his face but i do like the fit as far as what i've seen him and i did like him in jack reacher and i think that he would really fit and i wasn't as familiar with yours steve i've seen him in the mission impossible films but i can't you know say that i've seen all the mission impossible films i'm not as much of a tom cruise fan as uh, as wayne i don't think anybody is <laughs> um but but after looking him up um i got to be familiar with his work and i think he's got you know a, an ugly face even though he's a touch older than i think what we had casted and what the original actor was i think he'll certainly play it off well and as anybody who's listened to me on recast before they know that all british guys are good villains just because they're british I think he'd be a good fit as someone um, who can fit in as Boggs and be, you know, the leader of the, the sisters inside that prison. Yeah, the the film Harry Brown that I mentioned, to be honest with you, you don't even have to watch the whole film. He's only in like one long scene. Uh, I'm sure you can get up on YouTube. I'll, I'll send a link to you guys. If you, I think if you see him in, in just that one scene, you'll kind of see why I kind of went, went with him for it. Caleb Landry Jones, I got... A, Jesse, I, I will definitely watch Get Out. I haven't seen him in anything, but as soon as I saw the picture of him, I think I just kind of thought straight away, me and you were probably thinking along the same kind of lines of the, the kind of creepiness, because he's got that face that I could I could really see playing that, that role. And Wayne, I like yours as well, Jai Courtney. Um, I've seen him in Suicide Squad. I think that's the only thing I've seen him in, but he was, again, another good looking guy, but I think he can definitely, bit of makeup and stuff, he can get, he can be made to look more uh, down and dirty and, and he's definitely got the, the physical side, but I think he can definitely play the um, the creepiness as well. So I, I yeah, I like, I like both your guys' picks on this one. Yeah, he's, he's what, Captain Boomerang? Yep. Oh yeah, why, why didn't you list that, Wayne? I didn't even think about it, but yeah. I only had space a... for three things. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a, but you put good day to die hard? <laughs> yeah, it was a leading role. He was the, the John McClane's son. It was, a, it was like a lead role for him. I remember him more from Suicide Squad. Good, good, good point out, Steve. Because I mean, it it actually makes me like your pick more, Wayne. Now that I can remember him as you know Boomerang, I think that guy's definitely a creeper. Well, the next role we have is Brooks Hatlin, and he works in the library with Andy. Maybe I should get me a gun and rob the foodway so they'd send me home. I could shoot the manager while I was at it. Sort of like a a bonus. I guess I'm too old for that sort of nonsense anymore. I don't like it here. I'm tired of being afraid all the time. I've decided not to stay. Well, Andy gets transferred over there, but he was played by James Whitmore, who was 73 years old. Prior to this, he'd been in a bunch of stuff I'd never seen, like, you know, the adventures of Mark Twain and where the red fern grows, which we had to read in school, but I never saw the movie. 
for me, the notes I hear here, he's old, obviously, very soft, kind, you know, grandpa type. I think he's in there for murder, so he must have done something really bad a long time ago, but just very soft-spoken and, and meek and feeble, and I really like the character of Brooks a lot. And the actor I went with is David Straitharn, who's also 73 years old. I just finished watching him in Nightmare Alley. He plays Pete. Uh, he's an eight man out as Eddie Seacott. He was in Billions. He plays Blackjack. And of course, the Spiderwick Chronicles. He's the, the father who's been trapped in another time. But he always kind of plays like a dad type role. So now that he's older, I feel granddad is a, a perfect role for him. Yeah, Brooks is definitely someone who I think is institutionalized, defined right there. He is someone who has spent more than half his life in there. And you can see he can really not handle it once he gets out. It was really hard to watch, you know, as someone who bagged groceries at one point, seeing him struggle with the double bagging and writing that letter, his final letter back to the boys um, in the prison. It was tough to watch. And so I was looking for somebody who you could believe had kind of done something, you know, bad way back when, but had been... I don't want to say prison hardened, but I mean, maybe just kind of softened even uh, because, you know, being in the library, he was befriending, you know, a bird, feeding a bird, asking Andy for food the first day he sees him. So for that, I wanted somebody who was once considered very cool, but now definitely more fits into that grandpa vibe. And that's Henry Winkler. We know him from, you know, Happy Days as the Fonz. He's also um, in Click, which is a movie that will make Wayne and I both sob like little babies. And he's in The Waterboy as the coach. And so to me, I wanted someone who you could endear yourself to and really have a tough time watching him write that final letter and, you know, say his goodbye in the way that he did. Cool. So I went with an actor who, yeah, I, I think I could already tell what certainly Wayne might say about this one, but I went with an actor who generally maybe plays more sinister characters, but I, I think he's a he's a great actor. I've only seen him in a few things, but I just love what he does, and he's called Jackie Earl Haley. I've only seen him in Shutter Island and The Watchmen, but I know he's in kind of the remake of, of Night of Nightmare on Elm Street. He played Freddy. Obviously exact you know, that's exactly the kind of actor you want as this is this soft character Brooks. And um <laughs> And I know he's been a few other things. The the reason I picked him, even when I'm just looking at it here, I, I can just I just know what you guys are going to say, and I, it might be a bit of a foolish pick on my part. But there's the scene that he, as you say about Brooks, he obviously went to prison for for killing someone. And I know he's 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 very old and kind of frail and and a sweet guy. But I never believed that bit when he had the knife up to Haywood's throat, and I never believed that bit where you'd think. I can't see this guy in whatever, however many decades ago it was that he killed someone. So I just wanted someone in there who would be a bit more, you could see, had a kind of threatening side to them back in the day or, or could have committed murder. But Jackie O'Haley also, I think, can bring out sympathy from people too. There's a scene in, the scene he has in um, in Shutter Island with DiCaprio in, in the prison. I, I certainly felt quite sorry for him when he was in there. And so I think he kind of brings that thing where physically... Even though he's an older guy, he's only 60 in real life, but I think he can be made to look a bit older. You'd feel that, yeah, okay, he could still maybe kill somebody. You can see why he's in prison, but also could play off the, the sympathetic side of things as well. So that's why I went for him. So I definitely, not to keep picking on you, but this was my least favorite pick, I think, of all of them. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not going to lie. You took some of the wind out of my sails. I was going to say, Grandpa Freddy Krueger is <laughs> <laughs> so, I, almost, I almost said it too. I was like, "You want us to uh, endear ourselves to Freddie? You want us to sympathize with <laughs> with the Krugs?" <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> yeah, come on, Freddie. I mean, it's you're a good guy, but no. he's not that bad a guy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he just seems definitely more. He seems more like a Boggs type character to me. So I, I was really puzzled by this one. And as far as Jesse's pick of Henry Winkler, I actually really liked it a lot. I thought that even though the Water Boy and it was a slapstick comedy, I really thought that's the kind of character. He was a very you know innocent, um, kind of out of it almost, like grandpa type. And of course, uh, in Barry, he plays the acting coach, and he's uh, again he, he's great. Henry Winkler, I think, is is perfect for Brooks. And uh, I don't want to continue the trend, so I'm actually going to flip it a little bit here. Uh, Wayne, I love the pick of David Strayhorn. I, I actually saw him most recently in something called Interrogation. And if you like him, and it sounds like you've watched everything you've listed here of him, then I definitely recommend it. I think you'll like it, and I think it'll make your fit for Brooks even more perfect. So I really like it there. I can find myself endearing myself to him and having a tough time watching him kind of read his own letter. Yeah, I mean, Steve, when you Google ugliest actors, do you know who comes up first? <laughs> he's, is it Jackie Earle is it? Yeah, he's, always, he's always right up there with the ugliest actors. And so between not just like his, his resume, which is obviously pretty gruesome, but his face. I mean, it's just hard for me to even feel bad for this guy. But, but I, I do have to mention, I, I remember seeing Shutter Island and, you know, what a trip that movie was. And as you were describing it here on the podcast, I could remember him, you know, kind of screaming and, 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 and yelling at Leo, kind of just being in so much pain. And I, I can see having a little bit of sympathy for, for him there. But it didn't help you that Wayne wrote for, um, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street here. <laughs> uh, it, it yeah, I it... Yeah, you make sure you put Freddy in the brackets as well there, he, just in case you didn't realize. In all caps, too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think this is going to be, the, you know, the one pick so far where I have to, you know, ride the Wayne train as far as, you know, liking liking his fit more so than yours. But it's not to bash yours. It's just somebody who's that ugly and <laughs> also plays a, a murderer, which I could see the tie in there. I could see you tying it in. But this guy, you know, I don't know, man. I don't love the fit. No, I completely appreciate that. Like, like I said, sorry to take the wind out of your sails with the with the Freddy thing. Um, it, was but, like, uh, it, was no, like eight, it was like eight mile there. You you basically took <laughs> you took all of our material. <laughs> uh, I thought I'd get in there first, you know, just so it wasn't so kind of hard hitting when you guys came to it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I completely see what you're saying, and I I'm sure that everyone who listens to this will feel exactly the same way. I just as I say, I just really like him as a as a character actor. I think he's great, and I I thought just you know recasting it try and make a few of the scenes try and make a few of the characters in the film maybe slightly different which is which is why i went for him david strathern uh i think that's a great great pick he's got that especially in the picture that you've you've put up here wayne he's he's definitely got that kind of older guy he's, he's the same age as as james whitmore was in in the film got a great voice um could play that kind of character really well i think so i think i think that was a really good choice jesse i'm sorry i haven't i've watched the i've watched the water boy i haven't seen uh henry winkler and anything else other than scream and and happy days so as soon as i saw it i was like the fonds you can't have the fonds in the remake of shawshank redemption hey. um so <laughs> hey but um <laughs> So, so yeah, didn't totally love that. I can see where you're coming from, the kind of the age and, and obviously the sympathy, but I, I don't know. That seemed like a, a Pee Wee Herman pick to me. <laughs> so, so you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, Pee Wee was a popular pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's a kiss of death. <laughs> The uh, next pick we have here is Tommy, and Tommy was kind of played by, he was played by Gil Bellows, who was 27 at the time. So I'm backing out the door, right? And I got the TV, like this. It was a big old thing, I couldn't see shit. Suddenly, here's his voice. 
freeze, kid. Hands in the air. Well, I understand they're holding on to that TV, so finally the voice says, you hear what I said, boy? I say, yes, sir. I sure did. But if I drop this fucking thing, you got me on destruction of property, too. <laughs> it really his first big role. He'd done some, like, TV and stuff before this. After this, he goes on to be an Ally McBeal. He's a, her dream guy, Billy. He's in The Weatherman as Don with Nicolas Cage promotion. So he's done some stuff after this. This was, like, his first big thing. But obviously, just had to play kind of a young, energetic, cocky guy. Kind of funny and charming. You know how there's those guys who are cocky, but you hate them because of it? And then there's guys who are cocky, and you think it's funny? He's that kind. Like, you just really like it. It's endearing. And so for me, I wanted to pick somebody who's a little bit younger and a really, really good actor. I went with Anthony Ramos, who is 30 years old. He was in Hamilton. He played John Lawrence and he played uh, Philip Hamilton. He was in the Heights because again, him and Lin-Manuel uh, together. He's in A Star is Born, Blind Spotting. Obviously, he doesn't have to sing in this, so no singing. But I think he could play that perfect, like lovable, cocky guy. Yeah, this was definitely a fun part of the movie when, you know, we got, uh, you know, him riding on the bus and the, the music picked up a little bit. It felt like we had kind of aged the movie a little bit at that point. It was a turning point and it was it was great to see him in there, you know, cocky, talkative, talking about all his stints. And you could immediately see that there was kind of that like father son almost bond between Andy and him. And so I really liked that. You know, you could see the bond grow when Andy tries to help him through his education. And obviously the key that Tommy holds to Andy's innocence ends up costing him his life. And so I went with somebody who is young, uh, somebody who is, you know, very popular and upcoming right now. Because I felt like that's not only what he was in the movie, but, you know, as, as an actor. And so I went with Joel Courtney, not related to Wayne's actor, Jai Courtney. And, uh, you know, I just think, you know, he's got that look to me. And, you know, I really think that he could present himself as this young, cool, leather jacket wearing hipster that's coming into prison and really going to liven things up and unfortunately lose his life. Again, spoiler alert, folks. Yeah, I think you guys have, have said it all about the, the character. He's, he's cool. He's cocky, but in a likable way. He actually take yeah he kind of he has to play a few different things and he has to play kind of uneducated but street smart he's been in a lot of prisons he's got his wits about him but at the same time he wants to try and better himself and you know he's got a family and he's emotional about things and and uh, and yeah it's it's obviously heartbreaking what happens to him at the end so just I wanted to pick a, I think we all kind of had the same thought process here but I wanted to pick an actor who you know could could do all those things is likable and would pull on your heartstrings when um when he gets gets shot as well so i went with john boyega he's probably best known for uh playing finn in the new star wars films i just think he's a really good actor he's someone who is the right age there's the right age difference between him and and the person i picked to play kind of andy i think um someone you can definitely see being taken under his wing and and yeah could just get be be very likable and uh by the audience and by kind of the characters in the film as well yeah, I like both of you guys' picks. I really don't have any criticism. I, I don't want to say any. I have a small, tiny bit of criticism, and it's not, and it's very unfair criticism. So I'll preface that so that people kind of throw it out. But my unfair criticism is with John Boyega, only because I feel like is he too big of a star to kind of take this particular role? You look, he's been a leading man now. He's been doing a lot of drama, which is fine. I think he could play it funny because he tried to be funny in Star Wars as Finn. That was just bad writing. We've got better writing in this film. And that was my only thing. I was like, is he too big a star? But I know that we don't concern ourselves with budget. I mean, whoever we want to cast, we can cast. As far as the fit, though, I think he's a good fit. And I think that Joel Courtney is a great fit. I really had no criticism in terms of performance uh, with either of your picks. 
Uh, I'm going to agree. I mean, to be honest, this was the easiest one. I looked at both picks and I said, these guys are, are rising stars still to me. I, th- I don't know if I see Boyega as too big. I think that, you know, he wasn't, I mean, we, we think of that trilogy that he was in being, you know, Rays and Kylo Ren's way before we even think of him. So I, I think the, the thing that I know him biggest from, he's not the biggest star. And so I think he still has a chance to become bigger and, and rise and so I think he was a, big, a really good pick, Steve. And then uh, for yours, Wayne, I, I think that, you know, Ramos, obviously not shocked to see that he was in Hamilton or A Star is Born, those being so close to your heart. But I see the upcoming, he's going to be leading the leading man in the newest uh, Transformers movies. So that's going to kind of just skyrocket him as well. And uh, I think that'll be a, a fun, exciting watch. And so I think all three of us really had the right idea in picking guys that are up and coming, you know, in that age range. And they're just going to kind of skyrocket from there. So no criticism for me on either of the picks. Yeah, I kind of echo that. Definitely. I, I haven't seen Anthony Ramos or, or Joe Courtney in, in anything. I, I did watch Super 8, but I, it was a long time ago. Obviously, he was a kid then. But uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, like I said, we were all thinking along the same way. John Boyega, I, I can see what you're saying, Wayne, actually. I did. I was thinking that myself, but I was just kind of like, I've, I've seen some interviews with him where he's really trying to distance himself from the kind of the Star Wars thing now. He just was, I think he found it a little bit underwhelming because of what you guys said, the writing wasn't good and maybe he didn't he wasn't um playing the role maybe he was promised that it might be when he went when he signed on to do it so i could i could just really see him wanting to do this kind of role it's it's a smaller one but it's a it's an important one too so i i just thought it'd be a he kind of just fit into the the mold of of what i was uh what i was looking for steve you haven't seen joel courtney in kissing booth one kissing booth two <laughs> kissing booth I three my, <laughs> i haven't i am a i am a uh, i am a netflix fan but I've, I've missed those ones so far i have to give them a try oh get the wife involved you'll love them Plus, I'm disappointed you haven't seen Hamilton. I feel like everybody in England should watch Hamilton as a reminder of why you don't mess with the United States, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Are you still on that? Oh, my God. (laughs) Let it go, guys. Let it go. We're all friends now. Uh, Let me pour myself some tea. (laughs) (laughs) So we got into... Don't on me. (laughs) (laughs) We've got another bad guy here. We've got Officer Hadley. What the crisis is, happy horse shit? You'll be telling him with my baton up your ass. You gotta let me out of here. What is your malfunction, you fat barrel of monkey spunk? Please. I ain't supposed to be here. Not me. I ain't gonna count to three. I'm not even gonna count to one. You will shut the fuck up or I'll sing you a lullaby. Who was played by Clancy Brown, who always plays kind of a bad guy. He was 35 in this. He was in Pet Cemetery 2, Blue Steel prior. Since then, he was in Dexter New Blood. And he was also in Billions as like the, I don't know, like the chief counsel of Texas or something. I don't know. But he always kind of plays like a jerk. So I put here, you know, he's a prick, square jaw, big bully type. He just pushes everybody around. And for me, I went with Tom Hopper, who is 36. He was in Black Sails as Billy, Game of Thrones. He played Dickon. Uh, unfortunate how he died. If you haven't watched great. Game of Thrones, so, sorry about great, that. Great name. <laughs> okay. And uh, <laughs> he's obviously mostly known for uh, Umbrella Academy. He is Luther. He's the big kind of ape guy. And he has the right size and everything to fit that. I mean, the more I look at it, maybe he's always kind of played a good guy and a little bit too nice to play this role. But I just feel like he'd do a great job. So he was my pick. I guess I based it more on physicality here. Yeah, I can kind of tell where you're coming from. I, I'm just kind of a sneak peek into yours. 
Uh, I think that his death as Dickon was actually one of the more memorable ones. I mean, death by, you know, Fire Dragon Squad was pretty sick. But as far as Officer Hadley, I see him as hardened, but I also see him, he has a soft spot. You see it when Andy starts to help him with his situation on top of the roof. And then, you know, the one who actually ends Bog's reign, it wasn't just, you know, the beers and, you know, the help on the roof. It was the fact that, you know, Hadley and a couple other officers really gave Boggs the business and made sure he couldn't walk again and made sure that he never touched Dufresne again. So, you know, he was someone who was big, intimidating. He was the warden's right-hand man. But I think that at times he showed a softness for Andy. And so I wanted someone who could play both hard and soft. So I went with Daniel Cudmore. We've seen him as Colossus, a likable, strong character in the earlier X-Men films. And more recently, I saw him in the Superman and Lois TV show that Wayne's been watching, and he plays the bizarro Superman. So again, you know, strong, intimidating, um, someone who's struggling. But, you know, I think as Colossus, he shows a softness. And so that's what I saw from Captain Hadley was hard, but also a softness towards Dufresne. So when I was thinking about Hadley, I, I just kind of kind of kept on thinking about like a big, controllable ape type of type of guy you know he's someone who just he does the warden's bidding i can see what you're saying wayne about the soft side but i just always think anything he does in the film is all based on what the wardens told him to do so i wanted someone who could look like he they could even though the the physical stature they they can easily be controlled and, and do the warden's bidding but i wanted to pick an actor who's also a really good actor and can can throw those extra layers of maybe there is something else going on or you kind of you can he's a little bit makes him slightly more three-dimensional so i went with a um a, another actor who i really love called michael shannon he was in oh god he's been in loads of things but i think his first film he was ever in was groundhog day he was in uh bulwark empire recently more recently he's been in knives out shape of water just yeah just a really good actor he's about six foot four he's a big guy big kind of strange looking guy too so yeah someone who could definitely just scare the bejesus out of you just by giving you a bit of a stare so yeah i just thought he would he'd be a good fit for that role yeah and this is another one where i really didn't have any criticism of your guys picks i think michael shannon is fantastic he's an amazing actor and obviously he has played a lot of times a very intense type of actor who we could definitely see being the the bully type and you know daniel Cutmore again he's got the right size the physicality the square jaw i think he'd be really good as hadley here it just got to be an, an asshole and i didn't see the soft side either honestly i mean they mentioned he cried like a baby when he got arrested uh, I, I felt like he was kind of doing andy a favor because andy did him a favor which i guess is kind of a soft side because he didn't have to do that but i don't know to me i just felt he was straight up a, a douchebag but both picks were really good yeah i mean i just saw getting rid of the prison rapist you know was was a bit softer than he needed to be and you know i have no qualms with your pick at all i can definitely see he has the size i remember in game of thrones he was willing to give up his life just to not bow the knee and die with his father so i think you know someone who was meant to be you know great or could have been great but ended up you know dying there i think he has that imposing size um that he needed to so i have no qualms with hopper and then as far as michael shannon goes uh, if he wasn't someone that I had just recently used in Big Lebowski, who I think he'd be fit perfectly there, then I definitely would have saw him here. I mean, I would definitely say he was my almost in, in this film. He always plays an intense, screaming gentleman, someone of, you know, maybe some type of army stature. I mean, I also remember him in the Superman movie where he's just screaming his, his lungs out, saying, I will get him, you know, talking about Superman. So, guy's very intense. So really like both the picks and I uh, have no nitpicks at all. Thank you guys. And 
the only criticism I have towards Wayne's is we're, we're starting to make a Shawshank Redemption as done by G- GQ magazine or something. All the good looking guys in there. Um, <laughs> but Tom Hopper, I was trying to look. I, again, I, I haven't watched Game of Thrones or anything. I haven't really seen him in anything. I was trying to look for a clip of him on, on YouTube, but all I could find is videos of him working out and uh, kind of photo shoots and stuff. But I did see the the death scene from, from Game of Thrones and uh, yeah, pretty uh, pretty badass. And Daniel Cudmore, I, yeah, I saw him in, in, in X-Men. So yeah, I think for what you guys are looking for, it was, um, yeah, good good picks as well. And uh, Tom Hopper apparently might be the new James Bond. He's in the he's in the talk, in the running for it, I think. So um, so yeah, interesting to see what happens with him. Yeah, we'll see. I, I wouldn't like that. And, and as much as I like Tom Hopper, I like him in the Umbrella Academy, like I said. But uh, James Bond, I know maybe it's just because I'm rooted. I, Idris Elba, we talked about our favorite picks. He, he's a guy I love. And I would love to see his James Bond. I know Jesse doesn't love that because you couldn't get as many films because of his age. But I just think he's the perfect fit. I just think he's grown into he's grown into his gray hair now. I mean, if you see on Netflix the movie The Harder They Fall, which if neither of you two have seen it, how dare you? Um, but it's <laughs> such such a good film. I mean, I, I just think he's embracing the gray. I mean, he's also in the newest Suicide Squad, embracing the gray. I just I don't imagine James Bond in gray, embracing gray in either a standalone film or a startup kind of fixture or a trilogy, whatever it may be. I think Idris would be perfect as well, but maybe five years ago or something. Now I think those guys who were kind of they were talking about before the the last Bond film was made, like uh, him and Tom Hardy and Tom Hiddleston. I think they're just maybe slightly aged out now. So someone more around, I say I haven't seen Tom Hopper, but someone around that age, mid mid to late thirties, would be more rather than someone kind of forty five plus or something. I think. But yeah, I, I, Idris Elba would would have been great and, and would be great if he, if he, that they do choose him. The other bad, there's a lot of bad guys in this movie. So we got another bad guy with Warden Norton. I'll pull you out of that one bunk, Hilton, and cast you down with the sodomites. You'll think you've been fucked by a train. And the library? Gone. Sealed off brick by brick. We'll have us a little book barbecue in the yard. We'll see the flames for miles. We'll dance around it like wild Indians. You understand me? Catching my drift? Or am I being obtuse? For me, he was originally played by Bob Gunton, who was 49 when he took this role. He looks a little bit older, but he was previously in Dem- Demolition Man. He was like the chief of police there, Fatherhood, Jennifer 8, Patriot Games. He was also in JFK. He always kind of plays a bit of a prick, and that's exactly what he was in this. Very cold, calculating, you know, ruthless, unlikable right from the jump. The minute you see him, you didn't like the guy. And so I wanted to find somebody like that. The minute they're on screen, you're like, nope. Don't like him. Hate this guy <laughs> before they even say a word. And I went with Neil McDonough, who's 55. Uh, he was in Minority Report. Uh, he was in uh, Walking Tall. He's the guy that owns the casino that cut has orders him to cut up the rock. He's in Yellowstone. Again, he's a guy who like, orders murders and stuff. He always plays a bad guy. He's in Sonic the Hedgehog suits. I've never seen him play a good guy. So maybe I'm typecasting him, but I think he'd be perfect for it. Yeah, for the warden, you definitely have a very punchable guy here. And I've never seen a more punchable guy that holds a Bible all the time. I mean, he's obviously a very religious warden, which it's it's kind of a hard, you know, kind of juxtaposition to picture from the warden. You know, he's got to be in charge of all these prisoners, but he's also a super religious guy. He's, you know, kind of quoting uh, scripture to Andy back and forth. But yeah, very punchable face and... I think, you know, the, the nail in the coffin as far as hating this guy is, is once he kills off Tommy. That's when you know. Uh, I mean, because, I mean, he's thrown people into the hole here, there, everywhere. 
But once he kills off Tommy and, and Andy's real chance to get out as an innocent man, that's when you go, you go, all right, guy, I hate you. I hate your guts. And so for that, I went with somebody who fully encapsulates, I hate this guy's guts. And anything I've seen him in, whether it be as Lucius Malfoy or in The Patriot, where he's lighting up that church full of people, I hate Jason Isaacs. And so I think... That actor as the warden would do it beautifully. I think he has that face. I think he has that demeanor. And plus, he was born across the pond. So, of course, he can play villain and bad guy. <laughs> so, I suppose, keeping on, on that theme that, that Jesse mentioned there, so the guy I've gone with can play a bad guy in his sleep, but is, is he probably, for me, maybe one of the the best kind of actors of the of this of his generation that's that's alive right now to be honest i think he's fantastic there's been a variety of tv and um and films and that's um stephen graham he was in snatch venom the irishman rocket man uh he was in one of the series of line of duty don't know if you guys have seen that british british tv show and yeah he's just amazing in in absolutely anything he's in so yeah i just kind of saw him with the the kind of the look the kind of the the, the hair swept back the the straight lace tie done up to his neck the glasses on this kind of he hasn't got an intimidation about him, but he's got a a thing where he will do anything, and he'll look at, and he'll only look after himself, and he can he loves the power and is is power hungry and and greedy. So I think he could he could play that role very, really well. So for all of these picks, we're getting to the point where I don't really don't have any problem with these picks. Uh, Stephen Graham, I, I do like him in Snatch. Snatch is another one of my all-time favorite movies, and I think, I don't know why, for, it's one of those movies that I'll quote for no reason. I'll be like, why is your skin leaking, Tommy? <laughs> and, uh, you know, just, and I thought, do you like dogs? Do you like dogs? Do you like dogs? <laughs> so I, I like him. I think he's a good pick. I think you nailed it. I think he's going to play that kind of clean cut. He's not intimidating, but he is in a way like he just, he, yeah. he oozes power somehow. And I think that he would do a great job at that. My favorite pick, Jason Isaacs is my favorite pick. Man, do I love this pick, Jesse. Uh, I think he's so great. Not only is Lucius Malfoy, which obviously very hateable, but his role in the Patriot. I mean, God, I hated I hated him so much. And, and I think that if he could kind of bring that to the warden role, I think he'd be perfect. And, and Steve, if you haven't seen the Patriot, you should check it out to see what happens when you mess with America. <laughs> <laughs> I love America. I don't know where this is coming from. He's relentless. Uh, uh, all right, so I want to go ahead and start by giving you, you know, you both some praise. I don't really have a lot of bad to say here at all. I think, you know, between Walking Tall and, you know, Sonic, probably my only real pulls from Neil McDonald, even though I've seen his face, you know, as soon as I Googled him, because, you know, the name alone didn't do it for me, but as soon as I Googled him and saw the face, I was like, oh, yeah, I could punch this guy. So I think I think that fit the build there, and I, and I remember him from Walking Tall. So I think him being that bad guy there across... And it was, you know, Dwayne Johnson and as well as, was it Sean William Scott now? And that was Stifler? Oh, no, that was, you're thinking of the rundown. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, still, he's a bad guy. I think he's a good fit. And um, as far as Stephen Graham, the I'm only familiar with him from Venom as well as something you didn't list here. And that's his awesome performances in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, but I think, you know, mobster, pirate, bad guy, I think it, it's all fully coming to fruition once you pick a British guy. So I think, you know, he, he's a great great looking guy for the role i'll just have to familiarize myself better with him because you know you've listed some really good films here and i i'm embarrassed to say i haven't seen snatch oh it's great well if you guys aren't too busy eating your hot dogs and stuff i'll uh, i'll get on to why i what i think you're too um <laughs> so um so neil mcdonough i kind of i flip-flopped a little bit on him as soon as you put it through i was like um just it, the guy's has the scariest eyes, I think, of of any actor. I think, yeah, I could definitely see him playing a playing a bad guy. I don't know if I saw him more as a 
as a bogs than than the warden though but i think just looking at him yeah i think i could definitely see him see him playing it jason isaacs yeah an, another another great pick jesse as well i have to say though the thing i always think about with jason isaacs is we have a film review show a national film re- review show over here called wittertainment and the there's a re- the reviewer on it, it's called Mark Commode. He went to school with Jason Isaacs, and he's Jason Isaacs, like friend of the show. He's on it quite often. So when they always they always talk about films, they always say and hello to Jason Isaacs on it. So that's why I always think about when I think of him. But no, I think they're they're both really good, really good picks. Yeah, one other thing I want to note about Neil McDonough. Wayne had mentioned you know he's always playing a bad guy. In my research of him, he actually plays the not plays the role, but he voices the role in a scripted version of the Bible, and he he plays God. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, I'd, I'd say he's probably one of his um, not bad guy roles there, but he, he definitely the rest of his resume screams bad guy. I think he was a good guy in Band of Brothers as well. I think remember, I think he was a good guy in that. Can't remember. I've seen that for a long time. Well, I bet he was not as good as God as Morgan Freeman, which brings us to <laughs> Ellis Red yeah. Redding. Uh, what a transition. Yeah, so he is obviously... Brilliant link there, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> so he is uh, played by Morgan Freeman, 57 years old at the time. There's not a day goes by I don't feel regret. Not because I'm in here, because you think I should. I look back on the way I was then. A young, stupid kid who committed that terrible crime. I want to talk to him. I want to try to talk some sass to him. Tell him the way things are. But I can't. That kid's long gone. This old man is all that's left. Prior to this, he did Unforgiven, which is amazing. Uh, Clint Eastwood, I think it was his debut directorial thing. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, he's Azim. Glory, Driving Miss Daisy, Lean on Me is Joe Clark. I love Lean on Me. Morgan Freeman's very established at this point. And I think that he, you know, he's older than Andy. He's very smooth and wise and profound, friendly, charming, likable. Basically, it's kind of like Brooks, but if Brooks was more, I don't know, suave, I guess. But in younger, but I really liked Morgan Freeman's role here. Obviously impossible to replace. So whoever we pick is not going to be as good as Morgan Freeman because he crushed it, especially the narration part, which is where he really got his reputation. But I went with Blair Underwood, who is also 57. Uh, Blair Underwood was in Posse. He played Carver. Uh, I think of him in Just Cause. He played Billy, who is uh, kind of accused of murder, and he was in that. Soul of the Game, he plays Jackie Robinson. Set it off. Deep impact. So he's got a pretty good resume himself. Maybe not as good as Morgan Freeman's, but Blair Underwood's very smooth, very charismatic, and I think would play the right mentor for Andy now. I love the role of Red here uh, and really love Morgan Freeman as an actor. I mean, you know, Lean on Me is, is a great one. Of course, his Bruce Almighty stuff is, is untouchable. But, you know, his role here was so powerful. I think nobody else could have done what he did in the film. And so very tough to find good fits here. My pick here was somebody who he was my second pick. I got to be honest, I had somebody written in stone for the longest time. And then came about this guy, and I said, all right, this is going to be my guy. Um, And so I ended up going with Jeffrey Wright. I've seen him in Game Night. I've also very much anticipating his role as, what is it, Detective Gordon in Batman? I can't remember his, that's what had me struggling there. I don't know if it's Captain Gordon or Detective Gordon. Commissioner. There we go. 
See, I was struggling. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to see how he plays that role here in The Batman. But everything that I've, I've read and seen about him is he's, he's very well-spoken. And I think that's something that we are all trying for here based on, you know, Morgan Freeman narrating most of this film and, you know, narrating a lot to us. I think if narrating is coming up, he's the first name to come to mind. So we were looking for somebody that has a great voice, a great delivery. And so Jeffrey Wright, to me, is someone who has a great theater background, but he's also a very well-versed actor. And so I think he, he'd be a great pick for me to be read. So with Red and with Andy, I was I was much more aware of the the aging process for for those two. I didn't really think about it much for the other actors, really. But you know, it's significant, especially with with Red. Kind of at the start, he's a little bit more active. You know, he's throwing the baseball. He seems a bit more of an older. He obviously is an older guy at the end, but there's a bit more of a transition with him with the aging process. Um, like both of you said, just really difficult to. This was probably the most difficult one to recast. I went with Jamie Foxx for this one. I think mainly on the narration side. I think he's got the, he's got a great voice. He could he could narrate it really well. I think he could do the aging quite well because he's 54 years old, Jamie Foxx. So he can easily look 15 years younger and five years older, or or however they they would need to do it. Really diverse actor from playing the bad guy in the Amazing Spider-Man films. He was obviously Ray Charles. Any Giving Sunday, Collateral, Django Unchained. Very good dramatic actor. Red has a few kind of comedy lines in there could deliver those pretty well i just think he'd kind of fit in it as as best you can for whoever you're going to put into uh, a remake of shawshank redemption so that's why i went with jamie fox all right and this is another one again i don't really have any criticism for you guys so it's starting to get boring there because i'm not trashing it but <laughs> i know that jeffrey wright i think is fantastic I, I was introduced to him i think in westworld as bernard and i just think that again very soft-spoken uh, very gentle you know very kind and i think he kind of plays that in every role that he's in uh, even james bond as, as felix he's like james bond's right hand man here in america and I don't know. I like him. I think he's a great role. I think he'd do really good as Red. Jamie Foxx, I think, would be really great as well. I think if I had any criticism, it would just be Jamie Foxx's physical presence. But again, he's an actor. He can lose weight. I guess, as they said, he put on like 40 pounds to play Tyson. I'm sure he could take off 40 pounds to be skinny, you know, and I think that would be my only criticism is his size and his physical stature. But otherwise, I think from an acting standpoint, fantastic. So I don't really have any complaints about either pick. Yeah, now that we've all uh, held all you listeners and your ears hostage, we're going to be very nice to each other because, uh, again, I've, I don't really have any ugly things to say to you. I think Blair Underwood, after you know watching some clips and listening to his voice, the man has a beautiful voice. I mean, I'm I'm actually jealous of it, and I think I have a great voice. But he's he's got a great he's got a great voice, and he was you know once known as you know one of uh, America's fifty most beautiful people, and he is another one of. Wayne's actors who voiced slash portrayed Jesus in a celebrity voice dramatization of the Bible. So he, he picked another one here who's, who's got the, the voice chops and the lungs to keep narrating a whole film like this. So I think Blair Underwood was a great pick. And the guy that I had written in stone up until, you know, the, the last minute was Jamie Foxx is my red. So I have no qualms with him at all. The only reason I kind of strayed away from him was I felt maybe he was a little too comedic between his his game show hosting and some of his movies. I was a little worried that maybe, you know, people would be worried that, you know, as Red, he may bust out as, you know, a Ray Charles song once he got that harmonica. So <laughs> I, I definitely thought about him long and hard. I think that he could play such a great prisoner, if that's a great term or compliment. But uh, between Django and then, you know, he was in Just Mercy with Michael B. Jordan. And I thought he played... Um, we are a roughed up aging prisoner there. And I thought that's why I leaned on Jamie for so long, but ended up going with Jeffrey Wright. So again, really, really love both your picks here. 
Oh, cool. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, really like yours as well. Blair Underwood, I would just be slightly underwhelmed maybe if he played that role just because of maybe his stature as an actor. And also, I don't know if he's, again, very cool, great voice, you know, very, I'd say very handsome, very could could play the part but maybe just hasn't quite got that gravitas that you need that kind of just extra something that, that Morgan Freeman brings to all his films and I think that definitely Jamie Foxx and, and Jeffrey Wright would um, Jeffrey Wright I thought that was a great pick too especially on the voice side of things you know he played Martin Luther King you know he's got a, a very good good voice and you could listen to him talk all day could definitely play the part I would maybe just wonder how he would pull off the younger red uh, I'm just because he's quite he's quite an old looking guy nowadays so I'm just not too sure how he would do that but no major issues with with either of the picks I think like you say it was a real uh, it was a real difficult one to, to go with I think all right, well, if you were underwhelmed by my red, just wait till we get to Andy. So, <laughs> we, uh... <laughs> so Andy Dufresne, who was originally played by Tim Robbins. I'll tell you where I'd go. To Watton Hill. So what? To Watton Hill. It's in Mexico. A little place on the Pacific Ocean. You know what the Mexicans say about the Pacific? See, it has no memory. That's where I want to live the rest of my life. He was 36 years old. Prior to this, he was in Top Gun. He played Merlin. Uh, he was in Bull Durham. He was in Bob Roberts as the title character. The Hudsucker Proxy, which is wildly underrated. I love the Hudsucker Proxy. But Tim Robbins, in this movie, he plays kind of a quiet, very soft-spoken. He doesn't get, get very loud. Uh, he has a confidence about him. And, and Red even says it's like a quiet confidence. He kind of walks a certain way. He kind of that He knows he's intelligent. He knows he's a banker. He's kind of above all of this. Um, he's very meek. He can't defend himself. And you like him. You, you root, you're rooting for him the entire movie, and you're so happy for him in the end. And so for me, I went with uh, Ross Marquand, who's 40 years old, really more known for his celebrity impressions. If you were to type him into YouTube and trying to find clips of him, you'd probably find like just videos and videos and videos of celebrity impressions. He was in Endgame, Infinity War. He's Red Skull. And what if he voices Ultron? But I really think of the character Aaron in The Walking Dead. I think that, you know, again, very intelligent. Uh, he's the one that recruits them all to Alexandria. He's very well-spoken, but soft-spoken. So I just felt like he had all of the right characteristics. And I think this would be a great vehicle to kind of jumpstart his career. We're on our last actor here. And uh, for Andy Dufresne, I see someone who is brilliant. You know, he's very smart. You know, he's the, he was called the hotshot banker. But, you know, we also see him go through several different types of pain, several layers of pain here while, throughout the film, whether it be by the hands of the sisters or in front of the warden by Captain Hadley, so he could certainly go on both ends of the spectrum between brilliance and pain, and for that, I went with James McAvoy. I've seen him play a younger version of Professor X in the always jumbled X-Men universe, and I've also seen him in Split, I think, in Split, he did a tremendous job and was able to successfully pull off several different roles or acting performances as someone who struggles with split personality. So I think that James McAvoy can show me pain and brilliance and not be too loud or uh, too much of a character to be Andy Dufresne because, you know, I think Tim Robbins is, you know, as, as under the radar as we could get without being, you know, Ross Marquand. <laughs> I agree with what you're saying, Jesse, kind of on the, um, not on the Ross Marquand bit, but on the kind of the description of the of the character and, and kind of like you said, Wayne as well, he's he's someone who, yeah, it's like he's 
I think like Red says in the film, he's like he's walking in the park or he's going on a stroll, you know, he's kind of, his mind can take him outside the, the prison and he can underplay it to a point where a lot of the other actors in the film are, can be quite showy, but he's always there and you're always feeling something from him. He's always growing. He gets more respect as the, the years go by within the prison. So it's someone who I think can at first play that real cold fish, difficult to get to know, but then kind of grows into it. So the, the guy I had in mind was um, was Eddie Redmayne. He was kind of the first person I thought of and I, I didn't move from him at all. I just thought it was a it was a good fit from just from what I was looking for. He's actually 40 years old, so kind of perfect kind of age, I think, even though he looks a bit younger than that. So what I really like about Tim Robbins in the film, he has this kind of almost like spiritual or mystical aura to him you know it's it's something otherworldly and i think eddie redmayne has that as well you could see him going through all these hardships and and coming out smelling the roses right at the end so um so yeah you'd recognize him from he won an oscar playing stephen hawking in a a theory of everything he was in les mis he was in the fantastic beasts film uh as well and and jupiter ascending so he's a big actor but i don't think even though he's won an oscar not completely a list just kind of in that right kind of frame to play this uh, this role i think Again, I like both these roles. I know I'm sure Jesse's going to have some fire to throw in a second, but I like both of them. I think James McAvoy, Eddie Redmayne exactly encapsulate the character. They're both kind of frail, meek. Both of them are soft-spoken. Both of them have that kind of aura about them that they're just kind of on another plane. Like you said, I think spiritual is such a great uh, way to describe it. So I think both of them, again, nothing negative, great picks. And uh, not as much fire to throw your way, Wayne. Um, I, of course, I, I've admitted I've, I've not watched any of The Walking Dead, so I, I had to really search for clips. And you were right, you know, it was kind of tough to find clips of just him and not him doing somebody else. But yeah, I mean, as Aaron, I saw someone who was, you know, smart, kind of philosophical, not super tough, but, but also, you know, deep. And so I thought he was a really good pick for you. For Steve, uh, I just got to let you know, I think Eddie's still cold fish for me. I don't know if he's warmed up at all. You were talking about someone who is kind of cold fish and kind of he grows on you as the movie goes along. But in anything that I've seen him in, he's just so uninteresting. Like, I think I think a wet cardboard box is a better actor than, than Eddie Redman. <laughs> Jesse, just, my God, I was expecting this kind of thing from Wayne, but not you. Oh, why well, I just... <laughs> I had to save the best for last, but I just I've I've watched Fantastic Beasts and being such an avid fan of Harry Potter, the next installment that they gave us was just this guy who was so void of personality and Eddie Redmayne. I just Newt is so uninteresting, and maybe because I went from watching Hagrid as this guy who dealt with all the Fantastic Beasts to then going to see this nerd and Newt, and I was like, oh man, I I can't like you at all, man. There's no endearing factor or trait or characteristic at all so i don't like eddie redmayne um i mean there were a few actors i were thinking of but he was never one of them and that's probably just personal bias preference or hatred but um it's probably probably the one pick years that i disliked the most and i'm sorry it came at the last moment here the most crucial part are you trying to say you like him even less than jackie earl haley as brooks oh it's 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 a, it's a tie um um but while while I'm not going to give you a lot of a lot of trash, Wayne, I will say that you did do your best to go with like the straight to straight to DVD Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> I think I, I think Ross and you you prefaced it. I think when you sent me your cash, you said, "Hey, I'm I'm not picking anybody that's super A list," and I don't think that you did, and that that may hurt you. I mean, replacing Morgan and and Tim with Blair and Ross. I mean, it sounds like. Uh, 
I don't know. It sounds like an Abercrombie and Fitch model uh, <laughs> catalog. It's just I, I I wasn't familiar with either one of these actors, and I had to really do my research on them. So I just I expected with one of your favorite films that you would have tried harder with these last two roles. Even though I don't hate them, I just thought you could have provided someone with a bit more star power. Sean Penn will be the selling point of your film. <laughs> That'll be the name on the top of the poster. <laughs> You know, for his 90-second um, cameo. <laughs> I, I, uh, well, Jesse, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion, obviously, so that's that's absolutely fine. With James McAvoy, I can definitely see why you why you picked him. He's, I think, I always think of James McAvoy as quite intense and just maybe just a little bit too much, too much of the intensity to play this character. Also, he's he's only he's like my height. I'm I'm short ass. He's like five foot six, so it's that. I think the height, the ranginess. Like I think you kind of got to have that in there. But I love him as an actor, but maybe not quite for this for this role. Ross Marquand. I I again, Wayne. I only knew him when you sent it through. I was like, oh, the guy who does. He's really good at impressions. I knew he was in Walking Dead, but I I'd not seen it. I I don't know if you found the same clip, Jesse, on on YouTube of of him in Walking Dead, but it's like a 17 minute clip, kind of spanning like the highlights from a lot of the series that he's in. And as soon as I was like five minutes in, I could totally see why you why you picked him. I could definitely see that him taking that character and maybe changing it slightly to play Andy Dufresne, definitely. Um, yeah, maybe if he was in one other film before this that kind of got him maybe slightly more well-known and then was in this, I think that would be perfect, I think. But um, but yeah, no uh, no major no major qualms with, with those two. But Eddie Redmayne, I think when I was looking at this, I was like, I think I've, I think I've picked the best one on, on Andy. I think I was quite confident that that when I, when I got them come through. Oh, we always think that, and that's why uh, I think when uh, when, Je- when Jesse was uh, you know talking to me, I was like, "Dude, I was like, why are you fighting with everybody who's who likes Jason Musta- or, uh, Manzukas?" And he was like, "Oh, because it's not a very good pick." I'm like, "Well, why did I pick him then?" <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, I thought it was a good pick, but anyways, going back to this, so that's our cast. Really, I don't know if you guys had any uh, almost recasted. I had two. Uh, if you want me to start off uh, for. Andy, I really liked uh, Sebastian Stan. Uh, that would have been a little bit more star power there, but I felt like I just recast him as John McClane in our Die Hard episode, so I wanted to kind of take a little bit of a breather. And then the other one was for Red, so my other lead character, I had thought about Christopher Jackson, again from Hamilton. He plays George Washington, but I ended up going with Blair Underwood. I thought he'd be a little bit better fit, and I, I got my Hamilton fix by putting Anthony Ramos in there. I had two almost. Um, one of them was for my Andy, and I was thinking about Jason Siegel. Probably a little too comedic, but I was thinking height as well as look. I thought maybe he could have done it. He's not too big. And then my other one was for the warden. And uh, you'll probably know his portrayal more than his actual name. His name is Doug Hutchinson, but he plays Percy in The Green Mile. And I thought having an older Percy would have played uh, a nice punchable warden. I could definitely see that one. For Red, after I sent it through, I was kind of looking again. I I come across Lenny James, who I think he's also in The Walking Dead. I thought maybe he he could have played it better, but I was I was still happy with Jamie Foxx. The Warden, I was originally going to go with a female Warden, like you were joking earlier about Anya Taylor-Joy. I was originally going to go for Jessica Chastain. I thought I could see her kind of playing that role and just changing it up a little bit. And then after I had second thoughts about that, I did think Brian Cranston could also play it quite well. And then on Boggs, I was a bit torn between Sean Harris just because of the age thing. I thought maybe he's slightly too old. So I went with someone younger who I thought would who could play it similar was uh, Dane DeHaan. Um, I just think he's got a real, anytime I see him in anything, just his face, got a real kind of creepy face. Um, I thought he could have played that really well. But uh, but yeah, those were my, my almost. Yeah, Dane DeHaan has played a villain in one of the um, comic book movies. I can't remember if it was... He was in um, The Amazing Spider-Man, I think, wasn't he? He played Harry Osborn in that, the, the, the Green, yes, green yes. Goblin thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I could definitely see it. 
Yeah, for me, I, I'm glad you didn't go with Jason Siegel because I would have hated that. And the thing is, I'm a huge Jason Siegel fan too. Like, I, whenever people are like, who would play you in a, a movie about your life? He's the guy I picked to play me because he's funny and I think he can be dramatic if he has to because he was in Freaks and Geeks, which was kind of a dramatic comedy. But I just, I don't think he'd be a bad fit for, as Andy. So I'm glad you didn't go there. And as far as Brian Cranston, uh, how great is Brian Cranston that like, you're like, oh, he'd be the warden. I'm like, oh man, he'd be really good. But if you said Brian Cranston as like, Boggs, I'd be like, oh man, he'd be really good. And if you're like, oh, Brian Cranston would be Hadley, I'd be like, oh, he'd be really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, if you know Eddie Redmayne would play me in the in the story of my life, just because he, I, I can I connect with him really well as a personality and stuff. You know, I feel so. I would definitely have him there uh, playing me. But what I was going to say earlier, actually, you just reminded me, um, Jesse. If I ever have, if I ever write a um, an autobiography, I really want you to do do the audio book for it. If that's okay, I'd love to have your voice over it. Oh, it would be an honor. And, <laughs> and and just to to cap off the who would play me, I, I've noted it on the All Things Movies page before, but it'd be Danny McBride, you know, the ah. Eastbound and Down or Pineapple Express, you know, the actor there. I, I am Danny McBride. Well, there we go. That's our cast. And I would say, obviously, you know, check us out on uh, Twitter, on Facebook, make your vote, get a shout out and obviously give us suggestions or feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Let Steve know how he's doing. Check out uh, these films are the juice because it's a great show. And uh, I really appreciate uh, him coming on the show. And, and I think he, he did a great job. I mean, I know I, I trashed some of the picks and, I, and I'm not going to get on board <laughs> with Freddy Krueger grandpa, no matter what you say. But uh, I, I do appreciate having you on. <laughs> yes, no, no, thank, thank you so much, Steve. No, guys, thank you so much for having me on. I've really, really appreciated it. And um, just you guys organizing it, getting it together. Straight to DVD, Shawshank. You know, I'd, I'd still watch it, Wayne, you know. And some of your picks, Jesse, I really liked as well. So, um, so yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Well, there we have it. And uh, that's all, folks. That's all, folks.